Welcome to the First Right Podcast, a weekly conservative news show brought to you by Restoration Pack. I'm Doug Truax, founder and president of Restoration Pack. Today we are blessed to have a conservative icon, former Wisconsin Governor Scott Walker. Mr. Walker was elected governor twice in that divided state and pushed some of the most significant reforms of any governor in America against fierce Democratic and media opposition. And nobody knows Wisconsin like Scott Walker. So welcome to the show, Governor. Thanks, Jeremy. Glad to be with you. Good, good. So uh, really, really happy to have you on. Happy to hear what you're up to. And that, let's just start there. So we, you know, did a great job in Wisconsin, obviously, and uh, presidential run in there. And now you've got other things on your plate. So why don't you get us up to speed on what you're working on now? Yeah, over the last uh, year and a half, uh, uh, in addition to all the craziness we've dealt with this year, I've been working on a number of projects trying to uh, get a, uh, a balanced budget amendment through the states because our federal government just can't do it on its own. Uh, dealing with the, helping out the National Taxpayers Union create a, a program similar to what they have in Washington in each of our 50 states and countering Eric Holder on redistricting. Uh, this is his pet project since he left the Obama administration. So we've been trying to wake Republicans up and, and counter the actions that they're taking, not just post-census, which will happen next year, but the actions that Eric Holder and his cronies have been doing uh, state by state, particularly in the courts and in local elections. All those things, but the thing I'm most excited about is I'm just starting out now as the coming into uh, Young America's Foundation, where I'll I'll be uh, replacing Ron Robinson, who's been the president for more than four decades. Uh, YAF started 60 years ago this month, the home of William F. Buckley. Uh, Ronald Reagan was one of the earliest leaders, and they started out on college campuses. Uh, they've grown to high schools, and I want to take it even the preteens, uh, not just with chapters, but with great speakers like Ben Shapiro. Michael Knowles and and even great names from the past like uh, Art Laffer, uh, but also uh, one of the great cool things they have is they own and operate the Reagan Ranch uh, out in Santa Barbara where they also have conferences. So uh, I love what YAF's done. I've been a longtime supporter of theirs. Uh, I just want to work with their board and their team to uh, reach even more young people because as we even saw just today, unbelievable numbers about how many young people in America don't even realize Uh, what happened with the Holocaust. Uh, They don't know world history. They don't know American history. They don't know basic economics. Uh, We've got to get into college, but particularly in the high school and junior high and teach them sooner. If we have a level playing field, uh, our ideas win. That's right. And so thanks so much for doing that. I couldn't agree more with the education piece because that's really becoming a dividing line in our country where some kids are getting educated and some kids aren't. And it's a real shame. So, So thanks for all you're doing there. So let's just jump to, uh, you know, like I said, nobody who knows Wisconsin better than you. So what do you see playing out in the uh, presidential race in Wisconsin? Get your opinion on that. It's going to be extremely close. Remember, the president carried the state, was the first Republican to carry the state since I was a kid in high school uh, back in 1984 when Ronald Reagan carried everything, but, but uh, Fritz Mondale's home state of, of Minnesota. This year, uh, four years later, it's going to be incredibly close as well. Um, remember the president won, but he won by less than 50%. You had him at just over 49, Hillary Clinton at just under that. And then the Green Party in the state got a significant number and um, similar demographics, Madison, Milwaukee, like so many other battleground states run up the score when it comes to Democrat votes. Uh, The suburbs of Milwaukee have historically been pretty Republican, although not as Republican as these big cities are Democrat. Uh, And then it's uh, outstate. Uh, Wisconsin that makes the difference in any election, whether it was the the two uh, normal elections I had, the recall election I had, 
uh, Ron Johnson's win for the United States Senate twice or President Trump's win four years ago. That's really where the balance is. And and uh, the place to look at, uh, not just because it was in the news recently, but Kenosha, Racine, mid-sized industrial cities and their communities surrounding them, Manitowoc, Sheboygan, the Fox Valley, all those are the areas I had to do well in to win in each of my elections. The president did well there four years ago, and he's going to have to do it again, but it's yeah. going to be close. Yeah, for sure. And so let's talk about uh, the Kenosha piece and how you see that playing out. I, I think that, uh, at least on the conservative side, we were, we've always been for law and order, and it's easy for us to just keep saying it. And we've been saying it this whole time. The Democrats are awfully late to the game because, obviously, they were seeing it as a political advantage, which is shameful. Uh, but what do you see happening, uh, uh, the fallout from Kenosha? And is, you know, could there be more on the way? And, and how's that going to play out with the voters in Wisconsin? Well, I think it was incredibly eye-opening. The current governor, a Democrat, uh, was really, uh, in fact, the local newspaper in Kenosha, a paper that historically endorses Democrats overwhelmingly, came out and, and really ripped the, the governor that week, saying that his statements early on fueled the flames of, of, the, of the tension and the chaos even before the rioters appeared. That's saying a lot. And remember, the city burned for three days. The downtown is just a mess. Uh, and it, uh, Brian Style, the local congressman, did an incredibly good job of reaching out to the president. He had Mark Meadows reach out to the current governor, who amazingly didn't get back to him right away. And then when he did, he turned down federal assistance. After three nights of absolute riots and chaos and violence, and tragically two deaths, finally the governor, um, in what I think was a concerted effort, the governor accepted help from the president. Thankfully, things have quieted down since then. Uh, since those federal agents came in and since the National Guard showed up in force. But that day you had not only the governor's actions, you had the Democrat attorney general finally speak out after silence up until that point. And remember, that was the day that Joe Biden, uh, the Democrat nominee, finally said something about the violence. Before that time, the governor and Biden in particular had rushed the judgment against the police uh, in that situation, uh, even though there was an independent investigation going on. And probably most disconcerting, uh, they said nothing about the violence, not only there, but we'll be, we've seen it all summer, a, a summer of silence, from Joe Biden and Kamala Harris. And I think as much as I'd love to give them the benefit of the doubt and think they just wised up, the reality is I think their focus group and their polling showed they were in big trouble uh, because while people want reform, they don't want what happened to George Floyd to ever happen again. Uh, they also don't want writing. Yeah, for sure. And I think that they're Willingness to let it slide is just a great indicator of the fact that so many on the left, especially the far left, they'll do whatever they need to do to get power. And if it, if it, if we need to do rioting or what, you know, it's just a shame that this is going on in our country right now. But I, I hope uh, and I pray that there's a price for them to pay coming up pretty soon. And uh, and we'll see about that. So um, so more on the election and polling. So we had. Uh, We've been polling uh, in key battleground states. We've done a lot of work uh, in, uh, obviously, Wisconsin, Michigan, and Pennsylvania, and now Minnesota. Um, and we uh, recently hired the Trafalgar Group to do more polling for us. And those are the folks that famously, in 2016, they got it right when everybody else got it yeah. wrong. Uh, and we talked the shy Trump voter and all that. So uh, talk about polling in Wisconsin. Um, is there an element of that going on that you're that you're familiar with based on your races? And, and if so, is it is it elevated now or anything like that? What, what are your thoughts there? Absolutely. No, great insight in your question. Uh, we found historically in the public polls, 
Uh, even the Marquette poll, for example, which historically is of the public polls, maybe the most reliable. Uh, remember, days before the 2016 election in November, actually November 2nd that, of 2016, they had Hillary Clinton up by six and Donald Trump ultimately carried the state. So the polls were wildly off. We've seen it uh, in the public polls as well with each of my races and Ron Johnson, where, and they admit, they'll acknowledge it's hard to get a good sample of Republican leading voters because Republican leading voters are, are more likely to be suspect of polling because they're suspect, understandably so, of the media. I think that was even more true four years ago uh, of, of Donald Trump voters, not just Republican voters. And I think it is even more so now uh, because of the combination of, of people being afraid to say they're for Trump in some cases and all the riots we've seen uh, throughout the summer. I think voters, particularly those leaning towards the president and vice president, are, are very uh, suspect of letting anyone know, not even knowing if it's a, a legitimate pollster or not. So I think if a poll shows anywhere from four to six point margin, that probably means uh, the race is tied here in the state of Wisconsin. Yeah, that's where I'm at, too. Uh, and uh, that's where anytime I ask that question of anybody around the country, I get the same answer. Uh, so, you know, fingers crossed here. Here we go. So uh, just a couple more days. But, but, it, Doug, but it, is a, it is a reminder, I should just add to everybody listening who, who likes what the president's been doing and wants to see him do it for four more years, just because I think there's a convincing argument that the polls are off, doesn't mean it's a slam dunk. That's right. Uh, what we saw in his race four years ago, we've seen it in the, the three races I had, including the recall and in Ron Johnson's race, all of which the polls would have showed we couldn't win. Um, what, what happened was not just the polling being off, but grassroots volunteers, uh, the campaign, the organization, but particularly people on the ground, went out and reached out and, and talked to people in ways they'd never uh, talk to their neighbors, to their family, to their friends, to their co-workers, to people they worship with. And that's what we need this election. It's not enough just to vote. Uh, we need to have people share our beliefs, share our values, going out and talking to everyone they can. And that's how we've made the difference in the past. We didn't have that in 2018, not only in Wisconsin, but across the country. I think a lot of people took it for granted that things were as good as they were because of Republican leaders and uh, they didn't do, go the extra mile to, to convince people to, to share that view. Amen to that. You got to run through the tape and work hard the whole way. We talk about that here at the PAC a lot. It's just, you just don't want to get to November 4th and think, oh, I should have done something else. Or I, did, I just, right. you know, procrastinated or whatever. You got you to gotta put it all out there because it's, it's um, that whole conversation about, oh, this is a very important, you know, most important election of our lifetime. Well, it's here. This is the one. And uh, I, I think that we are, as conservatives, are very much aware of that. But you're right. We've got to translate that into a lot of effort going forward here. So um, one thing that folks are getting worried about, uh, and you know, I'm starting to hear things from both directions, conservative and, and the far left, as far as the mail-in voting. And uh, you know, people were going to do that anyway a lot because of COVID. Uh, what do you see with mail-in voting in Wisconsin in particular this cycle? Yeah, it varies by state. I uh, obviously have concerns about places like California and now Nevada, where they've gone to sending ballots to every address that may or may not have had an eligible voter at some point in the past. I think that's very dangerous. But, but I stress at the same time, and I talked to the president, the vice president, Kevin McCarthy, and others about this, in a state like mine, where we do have robust absentee ballots. You can, you know, it's not the old fashioned where you had to have a reason out of town or at the doctor or whatever. 
you don't have to have a reason in Wisconsin to vote absentee. But thankfully, for a law I signed, you have to have photo ID and you have to have a witness. So people who are concerned, particularly about coronavirus, about going out, about you know being at a polling place, although I don't think that's a problem. Even Joe Biden and his wife voted the other day in Delaware. But mm-hmm. if they are concerned, I get it particularly with older folks. My mother, for example, uh, I signed her up for an absentee ballot. Uh, it's really easy to do. And we encourage people to do it because of, of the requirements that the voter has to make the request. You have to download or, or make a copy of your photo ID and you have to have a witness. All those things are very much different than what other states are doing with this ballot by mail process that's really, really dangerous. Um, but I, thankfully, we don't have that in Wisconsin. There was a push by some of the Democrats on the state elections board to do that. Thankfully, with the Republican majorities in the legislature, uh, they didn't budge. And so while people can vote uh, absentee, they can't just get a ballot mailed to them, which really opens the door. It's fraught with problems for fraud. Yeah, for sure. And again, back to the great work that you did and all the Republicans when you were working through all that uh that's another great reason that they're able to overcome that push is you've got the right folks in, in the right places and, and that comes from a lot of hard work. So kudos to all of you and all the work that you did. So that's that's good to hear that Wisconsin at least is in a is in a good spot uh, when it comes to that. So um, maybe a little more insider baseball. Uh, we have the graph of the of the state. So on election night, from your perspective, what should viewers be looking for? in Wisconsin that'll kind of start to tell you what, how things are going to break, the, the bellwether areas and things like that. Yeah, a couple keys. The president does extremely well in the northern part of the state. Uh, that's where more than Republican or Democrat, where you, you've got the forgotten man and woman of our state is personified. Uh, Northwoods, northern part of the state. It's also uh, similarly uh, our neighbor to the northwest, Minnesota. It's part of the reason why I think the president's got a shot of winning there similar demographic, um, oftentimes blue collar workers, but people who feel like they've been overlooked by the big cities, great connection to the president. So he needs to run the score up in those parts of the, of the district. Those results will likely come in later just because they are in more rural uh, spread out areas. But the other part I mentioned before, and that is industrial mid-sized communities. So uh, I would look at Racine County, Kenosha County, Uh, Winnebago County, which is where the city of Oshkosh is at, uh, Fond du Lac County, uh, and then Sheboygan and Manitowoc, and then the always critically important Green Bay, uh, which is in Brown County. That kind of the eastern part of the state of Wisconsin, uh, that's where historically uh, people like myself and Ron Johnson had to perform well. It's where the president performed well uh, four years ago. Uh, They're not necessarily Republican voters. Uh, They're more blue-collar, hardworking folks. Um, but they they like the kind of message the president's talking about. Uh, if the president continues uh, on the pace that we've done in the past, they'll be in good shape. But we're going to have to watch because if if I was Joe Biden's camp, I'd spend a lot of time and a lot of attention there, and I'd try to play up you know Joe Lunchbucket, whether he can do that or not. Right. Particularly with Kamala Harris, as radical as she is on the agenda, I mean her her efforts, for example, on the the so-called Green New Deal would be devastating. Both manufacturing and agricultural jobs in the state, and um, we got to get that message out. Yeah, and I, I'm certainly hopeful that that group in particular that has typically voted Democrat for gener- you know maybe their entire life generationally, and uh, and they're and they're moving our way, that they in particular would be the ones that would say 
yeah, the lunch bucket Joe thing, but, you know, he's not really going to be the president. Kamala Harris right. will be the president, AOC, or whatever. It's just going to be that crowd behind them that really nobody knows exactly what's going on there, uh, but they're going to be the ones in charge. And I think that that group that you're just talking about, you know, they're savvy, and they'll look through right there and say, oh, I don't know, that's not, uh, that's not what I'm going to sign up for. At least I know with Trump, this is where we were headed before, and you can't deny what he did for the economy. Right. So, um, yeah, so we'll we'll see. It's it, it does go back to what you said, though. You gotta you gotta work it on the ground too. So, uh, last question for you. So, when you think about your uh, your winning coalition, uh, 2010, 12, and 14, how is it going to be if Trump wins Wisconsin? How what's his coalition going to look like compared to what you put together? Is the same? Is there some differences? Anything you can speak to there? Yeah, it, it's very similar. Um, I did a little bit better in the suburbs. He he did very, very well in the northern part of the state. But he's going to need to keep intact uh, the coalition that we had. Um, and, and hopefully, not only for Wisconsin, but I think with a number of other Republican governors who served during the same eight years I did, that here in the Midwest, we kind of opened the door in Michigan and Ohio and Iowa um, and, and obviously in our state governors in those states who who did big bull things open the door for a president who, as I often say, you know, the president doesn't always talk or tweet uh, the way we might here in the middle of the country. But Washington is filled with politicians who say all the right things and don't get squat done. Uh, I'll take a president who, who may not always tweet the way I do, but actually does it, who gets the job done. Uh, I'll take a doer over a talker any day. And I think that's the key coalition. It's got to be people who are frustrated uh, with the the big talkers in Washington, of which Joe Biden's been a part of for nearly 50 years, uh, but but who really can't get the job done. Uh, that is going to be the key. So it's a lot of folks who uh, historically aren't necessarily automatic Republican or even Democrat voters, uh, where he has to do really well and where we did well in the past is with blue collar working families. Um, the kind of folks who just want you to tell it to them and then do it. Uh, we saw that success, particularly years ago in the height of our pro or the protest leading to recall election. All the pundits thought, I mean, I think Time Magazine said I was dead man Walker. Uh, but we prevailed because those voters, like you said, are smart. And they said, hey, wait a minute. This guy just did what he said he was going right. to do. Why would we kick him out in a recall? And I think the same thing is true with the president. You know, the media loves to say, oh, this or that or whatever, but look at what he's done. The, the voters are smart. Uh, they're not children. They get this. They, they can look and say, before the pandemic, we had the lowest unemployment rate in 50 years. If you look by category, we've never had lower unemployment uh, by category for African-American, Hispanic-American, Asian-American, people with disabilities and veterans. And while the pandemic around the world has created a havoc on the economy, just last year or last month alone, I should say, in August, uh, the Fed said we weren't going to get below 9% unemployment until early next year. We're at 8.4% right. with nearly a million and a half new jobs. And I believe the president's goal of 10 million jobs over 10 months is very, very doable. It's not doable, though, if Joe Biden and Kamala Harris are in office. That's right. And I think that that part about being a doer, which I was, you know, just like what you said about what your time in office and what President Trump is doing, those folks that we're talking about, they're doers. They don't like yes. the talkers. They go out and do stuff all the time. And that's why it's also great to be a Republican nowadays is because you have had times in the past where you vote for one thing because they said they were going to do it. And even on the Republican side, it didn't happen all that often. And with President Trump, 
he's living up to everything he said he was going to. And that's why I really think there's such a strong base that he has. If you voted for him before, that's why you were doing it. And then he delivered. And then you're, you know, hopefully you're going to vote for him again and he's going to pick up more support. And so I'm always the optimist. But like, like uh, you said, you got to be working and uh, we got to be making things happen. So, well, Governor, super happy to have you on. Thanks for all you're doing. Uh, would love to get you back if that sounds, sounds good at some time, especially after a victory. Happy to do that. Would love to celebrate and talk about the next uh, wave of big, bold reforms uh, we can be doing not only in Washington, but in each of our 50 states. Yeah, how about it? Good stuff. Thanks so much for coming on. My well, pleasure. Right. Great to be with you. All right, great. All right, that's our show for today. So thanks so much for tuning in and for supporting conservative media. Don't ever forget, working together and staying diligent, we conservatives can bring our country back to true greatness. So until next week, let's all keep praying that God will continue to bless America. First Right, a new kind of news summary without liberal slant. Every morning, in your inbox, always free. Subscribe now at restorationofamerica.com slash first right or text first right to 1-312-820-9167.